Yeah, when we look at commodities, we're, we're looking at commodities priced in, in dollars. So the stronger the dollar, um, you know, the, typically, theoretically, the, the weaker you know, the, the commodity. And, um, you know, as it, it, they say if you get the dollar right, you get, you're going to get a lot of things right. I, I'm a firm believer that, that the U.S. dollar can typically does top in the, uh, the onset or early stages of a hiking cycle. That's ultimately because you see the everything get priced in very quickly, meaning meaning markets can be very efficient. And, um, and we didn't see the dollar topping. You're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at tradersinsight.com. News. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Andrew Wilkinson, Director of Trading Education with Traders Insight Radio. And I'm delighted to have with me today, President of Blue Line Futures and Blue Line Capital, Bill Baruch. How are you, Bill? Terrific. Thanks for having me on today. Very welcome. Bill is an avid contributor to our Traders Insight at tradersinsight.news. We always welcome his commentary. He puts out some great video and written commentary um, pretty much on a daily basis. So I don't know how you get the energy to do all of that, Bill. Yeah, I love markets. And, you know, what I write really sets up my trading day. Uh, so I, I call it my trading journal, you know, lay out the fundamentals, technicals, levels. And it helps me. And, you know, I share it with others. And hopefully it helps them. In, indeed, um, we, we hope it does. Don't forget, folks, have a look at that on tradersinsight.news. Bill, August is underway. Can you say that much of the early 2022 problems are out of the way, or is 2022 only going to get worse? What do you think? What, 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 does the, what does the world look like from your perspective? I, I'd like to think that we, we're not going to get worse. Uh, to say, you know, we're, we're moving into this, this, you know, easy, easy movement now in the markets, things are just going to be much better. That, that's tough to say, too. I, I do. I've been thinking that the worst could be behind us. And a lot of that is riding on inflation, uh, maybe a less hawkish Fed. So I, I, I think we're we are going to have an improvement here in the second half of the year, uh, at least for the next couple of months. It's, it's a window, you know, from that June through September where, where I think things are going to improve. And and reevaluate from there on. So that's kind of in respect to the the equity markets in general. Would you would you say what 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 about some of the other commodity markets or the other asset classes? Yes, you, you know the equity markets took a, a big turn south with the May CPI number in June, but right after that, you know, we did see the commodity markets top out too. It was the the really hot inflation. You know, meant the Fed had to be extremely aggressive. We saw expectations for for rate hikes pick up a bit and the Fed followed through with uh, two 75 basis point hikes. One just just took place here at the end of at the end of uh, July. Coming out of that CPI number, we, we saw again commodities top out. The Bloomberg Commodity Index fell about 20 percent. And some of the things that I watched very closely when when trading, specifically one of the things that were, was very attractive to me was the metals. Uh, you, know, you look at the commitment of traders, you see you, you start to see positioning get bearish and more bearish. And uh, it, I look for things like that where the negativity picks up ex to an extreme level. And that, that really laid the groundwork for buying opportunity to you know the end of July in, in metals, similar to that what it did a little bit earlier in, in the equity market. So I think when you get this peak, 
peak negativity, all the sellers have sold. Uh, it does lay the, the groundwork for, for really attractive rebounds in the markets. And I, I think that's what we're starting to see. I, I like to think that this you know, market and risk assets can, can carry a bit more than, than uh, you know, people expect. Uh, I, I, you're starting to hear the word pivot, Fed pivot. And I don't think, I don't consider what we've heard from the Fed as a pivot. Um, I, I do see it as being less hawkish and that's going to be supportive to risk assets. And if they're not tightening financial conditions as, as you know, hard and as fast, as expeditiously, that's the term they like to use, as they have, then that does lay the groundwork for some, you know, relief in, in, within the economy and some improvement within the economy. But when that's, you know, if we're going to talk about the economy specifically, I like to look at the equity market as a forward indicator and things like housing and the housing market as, as sort of a reactive indicator. And, and we could be in the sort of the middle and the thick of, you know, a, a sort of a, a, the housing coming in a bit. And so I, I think it's all, it's a very fluid situation where things are, are developing, but there's definitely been some attractive trades within the market and uh, it excites me for the second half of the year. Well, well Bill, talk, talk a little bit. So the, this year's number one enemy is inflation. G- give us your bird's eye view of the commodity complex. So, so where are some of those What's really taking the brunt of, of, of the inflation trade in, in the commodities world? Well, you know, the inflation, the question is, is it, is it peaking or did it peak? You know, I, I think we're, we're in a pocket of time where some of the worst, meaning that the hottest inflation is behind us. And what I mean by that is looking at from a month over month increase. You know, we, we had some very hot increases from May to June, but even more so from June to, June to July. Headline inflation increasing 1.3%. And core month-to-month uh, CPI increasing by seven tenths. So right now you're looking at the Cleveland uh, Inflation Nowcast. They they are anticipating CPI for July. The only increase from July to August for only about about three or four tenths. So you're seeing this this really start to come in, and that's become a tailwind to the commodity space, at least in the metals. I think you combine that with the, some of the extreme negativity I just mentioned. It does pave uh, the groundwork for for a rebound. Now, when we get into some of the other commodities, such as agriculture,s I think there's some other other uh, narratives at play too, um, where where wheat, you know, had had the with the war and in Ukraine and potentially getting some of these exports out, you know, had a big big uh, impact. You have the blow off top, extreme selling in agriculture,s but it's not just a, a war market, if you will, it's uh, a planting season and, and, and not only planting season, but um, you know, they're harvesting now. And, and are we going to get the type of crop that, uh, that was anticipated? And I think if you're looking at things like corn, you know, I think after getting the sell off and some, re- some relief you know, from Fed's aggressiveness, there's commodities like corn that, that could have a, a really nice potential uh, impact, it could impact it favorably. You know, others, I'm not so sure. Like you look at like a lumber, you know, lumber is, is down against a big long-term support level. But but if the housing market is going to be you know, moving through the, the thick of a crisis right now, maybe that doesn't jump and rebound um, as quickly as some of the other commodities. By the end of the day, you know, it's this pocket of time with inflation. And if inflation from June through August, which is, you know, for going from April, April, May, that was what we've been eyeing. We were eyeing the inflation from June through August. And those numbers are, are coming in. Like I said, the, the July number, which we'll get here in a couple of weeks, is, is only about actually three tenths is what they're predicting is a month over month. And that does give credence to the Fed slowing their hawkishness 
Um, so it paves the way for, for a rebound in commodities. It paves the way for uh, a little bit of a weaker dollar. Um, and these are things that excite me in the coming months. So let's talk a little bit more about the, about the dollar. Typically, a bull market for commodities is often associated with the cheapening of the dollar, but that 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 hasn't happened. We've we've got the euro down to parity with the dollar. We've seen sterling down to about one nineteen. It, admittedly, it's bounced now, but but what just shed some light on what's happened with the dollar and how it's impacted commodities. This yeah, when we look at commodities, we're we're looking at commodities priced in in dollars. So the stronger the dollar, you know the Typically, theoretically, the the weaker you know, the the commodity, and um, you know, as it, it, they say if you get the dollar right, you get you're going to get a lot of things right. I I'm a firm believer that that the U.S. dollar can typically does top in the uh, the onset or early stages of a hiking cycle. That's ultimately because you see the everything get priced in very quickly, meaning meaning markets can be very efficient. And you know, we didn't see the dollar top. In fact, the dollar continued to move higher as we you know, moved through this hiking cycle in through June. And that ultimately is because the, the Fed's goalpost had to keep moving and as, as inflation picked up. So, so we're starting to see that reprieve in, in the gains of inflation. We, but as well, it's not just the dollar, it's the dollar relative to other currencies. So you know, today, or generally speaking, um, in, ISM manufacturing for for July, which you know, is first week of here August, comes out and, and it shows that uh, prices paid or ISM prices for manufacturing came in at 60 and the expectations were 74 and from June they were 78. So you're seeing inflation in, through prices. These are producer prices. The, these This cost is coming in and that weighs on the dollar. But the same day that we had this news, you're looking at the U.S. dollar against the Chinese yuan rallying. So the U.S. the dollar index against a basket of currencies against the euro, against the pound, against the yen was weaker. But the U.S. dollar against the Chinese yuan was was stronger. And the reason why it was stronger is you also had very very poor data out of, out of China. So it really highlights the fact that that it's it's a, the U.S. dollar is always going to be paired against something else. And for the euro being the major driver of the dollar index, it's 57 percent of the dollar index. The euro has been weakening not so much because of dollar strength, although the dollar strength has something to do with it, it's the energy crisis in Europe. And in that energy crisis, you know, I think a lot got priced in very quickly. I don't think it's over, but I think, you know, again, markets be, can be efficient. So pricing in very quickly, it's, I, I think if you look back, uh, Memorial Weekend, and that weekend was when they announced that they are going to embargo Russian crude, or at least um, start to embargo Russian crude, and it's not a coincidence that that German yields started to rip higher after that news. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's there's going to be this inflation that's that's coming through Europe because of the energy crisis. And the question becomes, are they going to have enough enough energy to you know keep up with the output, industrial output and, and, and heating homes to the winter? So I think we're we quickly priced in the, the first half of this crisis. But the second half, you know, leaves a lot of questions, and you know, to so to speak, when winter comes. So yeah, it's to answer your, more, your question more specifically about the U.S. dollar, it's always going to be paired against something. I think there was a, again a combination of, of goalposts being moved because of U.S. inflation, but also because you know what, what was taking place in Europe. So I'd like to think right now we're going to get a reprieve in the U.S. dollar now that we have some inflation that's showing signs of coming in, and and we've had that first half of the U.S. Uh, of the. European energy crisis priced in. 
I'm, I'm watching most closely in the dollar index, the 105 area, uh, which was a real big breakout. And, um, you know, so if we can get some, you know, steady, steady price action below 105, uh, you know, maybe some of the worst of the rally would, uh, would, would be behind us. Arguably at the heart of the inflation crisis is energy, as you, as you just alluded to. What, what's your take on crude, natural gas and heating oil? I, I remain, you know, bullish on, uh, on crude oil overall. I mean, we've seen quite a bit of volatility. And, you know, it's one of the things with, uh, you know, the CME on the future side has done a terrific job with bringing micro contracts. You know, no matter how big, you know, you want to trade, being able to size your position in the proper way amid volatility is extremely important. Mm-hmm. So micro contracts have, have given a, the ability to really size and be precise with, with what you're trying to do. I remain bullish in crude oil, uh, but it's, it's definitely a fluid situation you, where you have extreme volatility. And I think really in the down days, you get excessive selling because proprietary trading firms sometimes have to manage risk and they can't stay within that volatility to see liquidation. It doesn't mean that the market's becoming broken. As you've seen time and time again, crude rebounded pretty pretty well off the $90 area. So I, I, remain, I remain bullish on crude more because physically the, the market remains extremely tight. I think that you know, we're, we're pressing the, you know, against the wall here in spare capacity. The U.S. has, has released a lot of SPR leading into the midterm elections to, as, as more of a political maneuver. And you know it may it may come back to to bite us. So I, I remain bullish on on crude oil. You know what's been more volatile is crude, and the crude oil has been natural gas. I mean natural gas has been seeing some extreme volatility. And you know one of the ways you know we've looked at being able to be in that market is is you know using call spreads to manage our risk and you know going long call spreads and taking in you know a time of opportunity. You know the the thing to think about there is is the European natural gas prices are a lot higher. I mean, three, four times higher. If I, if I could be wrong on, but but quite a bit higher when you price it. When you, when you put a price on the same metrics, and um, I, I do think those levels are you know could converge here because you're going to have to see a higher demand for U.S. natural gas. So I, I remain I remain you know, LNG. I remain very bullish on uh, on the the, nat, the Henry Hub natural gas contract. And just being patient and waiting for your opportunities. I, I don't think, you know, I think we're in the middle innings potentially or mm-hmm. approaching the middle in, innings of a long-term uh, bull market in, in the in the energy space. So the best the best type of thing to wait the thing about it is, is patience. Again, I think I've pointed that a couple of times, but it's definitely a market to be patient in, and I think we'll be will be higher as as time goes. Okay, let's let's turn now to, to lumber and copper. And the reason I mention these is that they're typically good indicators of the housing market from the construction perspective. Obviously, with monetary tightening underway and arguably with no end in sight, although you you note that uh, inflation may have hit its peak. What are those markets telling us about? The outlook for the economy. Well, yeah, you're you're making a great point there. You know, as I mentioned earlier, lumber lumber had sold off pretty sharply this year. There's a big area of support here for lumber, but I, I think that the housing market is is still digesting what's you know what's taking place within the economy. You know, the the stock market before look nine, 12, 18 months, and, and the stock market is, has digested a lot of that, but the housing market is is more reactive. So I I think that I think that lumber is 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 definitely telling us. How the, the weak the demand is, and I think that's something that that could last for a bit. Now, copper is a little bit of a different story in the sense that China is is the you know, consumes more than fifty percent of the world's copper. Supplies are tightening. I'm actually very very bullish for a number of fundamental reasons behind copper at these levels, and you know the from 
from 330 to 350 and and, and really too even though lumber is really back testing its its 2020 level copper too is back testing its 2000 previous 2018 high and and copper has uh you know has responded so far off of that pretty pretty well i think that we'll continue to see copper work higher i don't i don't think we're we're going to see continued lower prices unless the fed has to reinvigorate uh, a, a extreme hawkish tone um, but at least for the, the kind of lines with this pocket of time where we see inflation dis, dissipating a bit the month-to-month gains and it allows a recovery in commodity prices i wouldn't be surprised that if the lumber does just follow the tune of commodities but with that said you know i i'd favor copper a bit more because of because uh, of china and i do think that some of the weak economic data out of China is obviously a, by, a byproduct of, of lockdowns. And there's been signs of decent growth in China um, you know, when they've avoided lockdowns. So I'm, I'm interested to see in the coming months, two months or so, what we get uh, growth-wise out of China. And I, th- I think it's going to paint a better global growth forecast. Bill, thank you very much for that perspective on the commodity futures markets, as well as what the Fed's doing and how the economy's taking shape during this tightening cycle. Don't forget, folks, you'll find Bill Baruch's Blue Line Futures commentary at tradersinsight.news. And don't forget to look out for all of our online courses at tradersacademy.online. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments. Those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at IBKR. There is a substantial risk of loss in foreign exchange trading. The settlement date of foreign exchange trades can vary due to time zone differences and bank holidays. The interest rate on borrowed funds must be considered when computing the cost of trades across multiple markets. 